from the book of Job. Oh, that God would speak and open his lips to you, that he would tell you the secrets of wisdom, for wisdom is many-sided. In the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. If you're like me, then you're probably familiar with that quintessentially 21st century experience of sitting at your computer, having something really important to do, but despite all best intentions, finding yourself lured away and lost on the countless pages of the internet that have nothing to do with what you turned on the computer to do. You started off doing something productive, like sending an email to a friend or making your shopping list or, you know, writing a sermon. But all of a sudden, you're watching cats ride a robot vacuum. If you're like me, then you might be familiar with that. So you've seen the different things that are on the internet. So you might be familiar with the pictures and memes on the internet that go by the hashtag, you had one job. This is the corner of the internet where you'll find pictures from around the world of strange non sequiturs and mistakes people have made, usually in the course of doing their job. People who had a truly simple task to perform, but things went terribly wrong. Things you'd likely find as part of the you-had-one-job trend would include pack, uh, pictures of packs of ground beef in a supermarket labeled bananas, road signs hung upside down and poorly drawn lane markings more likely to cause than prevent accidents, accessible ramps that lead to staircases, driveways that don't meet up with the garage, and a shockingly large proportion of pictures from Walmart, mostly of signs advertising sale prices that are higher than the original price. The whole point of all these pictures is that the task at hand was really simple. Straight line down the road, 20% off, really simple. The person doing them really just had one job, but things did not go well. In tonight's first reading from the book of Job, we hear a speech from a man named Zophar. Zophar is the third of three friends who try to speak to Job about why everything has gone wrong in his life. Because, of course, what are friends for? Zophar's speech is a wonderful biblical example of the you-had-one-job trend. Because on the surface, Zophar had one job— to assure the deeply troubled Job of God's faithfulness. But, rather like a fire escape that doesn't go all the way down, also from the you-had-one-job internet canon, his speech leaves a little bit to be desired. Don't get me wrong, there are parts of Zophar's speech that we heard tonight that are a beautiful witness to a life of faith in God. There are wonderful words about God's desire to forgive and to redeem. If iniquity is in your hand, he says, put it far away and do not let wickedness reside in your tents. Then you will forget your misery, you will remember it as waters that have passed away, and your life will be brighter than the noonday. There's very little wrong with that theology of grace and repentance and forgiveness. 
And how full is Scripture of such words of peace and consolation to the suffering, to those who feel, like Job did, that God is far removed from them. It rings of the call to second Isaiah, proclaiming comfort. O comfort my people, says your God, prepare the way of the Lord. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all the people shall see it together. Or the prophet Jeremiah, speaking God's words of providence to the Jewish people in exile. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. It's the voice of the psalmist this evening, reminding, reminding the oppressed that it is God that giveth the desolate a home to dwell in and bringeth the prisoners out of captivity. It's the voice of Jesus saying, Come to me, all who carry heavy burdens, and I will refresh you. Or from tonight's second reading, Jesus saying, Whoever keeps my word will never see death. Words of comfort and security, trust and faith. Zophar was given the opportunity to bear witness to the grace of God. And for a while, it was going okay. But ultimately, the downfall of Zophar's speech hinges on these tragic words. Know then that God exacts of you less than your guilt deserves. It's the most violent and destructive kind of theology. It's an understanding of God that simply has no place in God's world. These are words that take the idea of God's grace, the freely given, undeserved generosity of God towards all of us, and turns it into a dagger over our heads. There are words that take the idea of human suffering and turn it into our very own failure. And so rather than building up faith, it, de it destroys and attacks the very idea of hope. It's a theology that robs God of the ability to heal and transform us, leaving us only with a God who keeps score and meets out punishment, for which we should feel lucky that we didn't get worse. Know then that God exacts of you less than you deserve. Zophar had one job, to speak words of comfort and peace to Job. And instead, he offered words of condemnation and a capricious image of God. The story of Job is universal because it addresses that all-too-familiar feeling, that all-too-familiar reality of human suffering, those questions that we just can't help but ask ourselves. None of us here tonight need to be convinced that we still live in a world that is mixed with pleasure and suffering. Personally, we each deal with, the, with that struggle of the joys and the trials of life. We try to understand the ebb and flow of grace in our lives, and we justify it by saying, well, bad things come in three, don't you know? And the story of Job, that story of suffering is universal on the global level, too. As we watch the Amazon rainforest burn away at an alarming rate while politicians haggle over the political cost of water, amid another summer of gun violence and just 24 hours removed from yet another horrific mass shooting, this time in Texas, all of which defies any understanding of wisdom. And even so, with that general feeling of economic and political anxiety that just seems to be normal now, the story of Job is universal. And so, like Job, 
we need to hear words of comfort and not punishment. We need to hear words of grace and not of blame. But just where will those words come from? Well, what Zophar says to Job in derision, I say with hope. Oh, that God would speak and open his lips to us and tell us the secrets of wisdom, for wisdom is many-sided. Maybe that's the one thing Zophar was right about. Because as it turns out, God will eventually speak and open his lips to Job, an event which, by some strange ordering of the lectionary, we actually heard several weeks ago at Evensong from the 42nd chapter of Job. But it's then, it's in that point in the story, at the very end, when God reveals to Job the height and the breadth and the depth of God's grace and care for this world, right down to the finest detail. It's then that God reveals the world is full of God's grace, and it's there for us to see and to find and to make known for ourselves and for other people. It's there that we find, if not maybe a totally satisfactory answer to the question of suffering, at least an understanding of the way that God has ordered this world, the way that God has provided for this world, the way that God has made us stewards of it, of all creation. Yes, God has made us stewards of all creation. The Amazon rainforest, the Canadian tar sands, yes, all the flora and fauna of the world, but not just that. In fact, all of creation, including each other. God has made us to be stewards of each other. Because of that, things don't fare so well for Zophar and his companions in the end. God isn't pleased with their work on that one job they had, because rather than bearing witness to the grace of God, they bore witness to their own understanding of grace, which didn't extend very far. As so often happens in the world, given the option between offering grace or blame, they placed the greater burden on Job. They chose to be stewards of themselves to build each other up, rather than the one who was suffering. None of us needs to be convinced that we live in a world in which people suffer. They suffer from personal situations known sometimes only to themselves. And we have people in the world who suffer because of the very systems that we put in place that cause people to suffer. So here's where we are. And we too have one job. To be bearers as much as we can of the wisdom God has made known to us, and to be channels and reflections of God's grace, especially to those in trials who suffer, people who are oppressed. We have one job, and that's to testify to the light in a world that leans more towards darkness and bear witness to the faithfulness of God to a world feeling abandoned, to testify to the light to trust in God's grace in our own lives, to know it and to name it ourselves before we, so we can understand what it is, to seek it out so that we can bring fullness of life to all of creation and hope to those who need it the most. We have one job. In the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.